Um, I don't know if I know everyone in the room. I'm Megan. I'm one of the campus pastors. And obviously, we're here kind of at the end of the semester, smaller group, all that good stuff. But I am excited about what I get to share with you today because I think it has to do with um, the season that we're in. So I hope that it um, is beneficial to you. Just going to log in. So today, um, when Pastor Micah and I were talking about what to do here at the end of the semester, we know it's always smaller, and we know it's always kind of like just so much on your mind. So we said, let's just talk about um, spiritual formation in the summer. Let's just talk about the fact that summer's coming up and that you might um, be heading into a season of change and transition of some sort. And what does it look like to do that well? And so I have the opportunity um, to be the one to do that. And I really just enjoyed thinking about this because it benefits me too. Um, I think first of all, with summer for us, especially in college when our semester ends in May, with summer just being right around the corner, I think one of the first things to acknowledge is that God made summer. God made all the seasons. God made every season of our lives too, but we just don't pause and think about how intentionally true that is. But it really says so in scripture. Psalm 74, 17 says, you, God, set the boundaries of the earth, and you made both summer and winter. And then Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, including the season and the activities of summer. So I think it's undoubtedly on your minds right now, uh, a little bit, um, probably summer or just the break or the ending of school, kind of the ending of some of the pressures. I know for me, when I'm thinking about summer coming soon, I'm thinking about sunshine, I'm thinking about a break from school, I'm in school too, I'm thinking about just opportunities to have some fun and hang out with friends. I think those are really good things. I think we need them. I'll bet you need them, I need them. It's been a really full season. I just think that if we rush into summer or anything that we're transitioning into in life, we don't necessarily set ourselves up for success in that season if we don't think about it and prepare for it. We don't know necessarily then if it's gonna contain what we need it to contain or what God might be wanting to do in that season if we don't pause and ask. So that's what we want this time to be about. How can we approach this summer with intention so it's a rich and meaningful time for us? So the first thing I think we have to recognize as we head into any season of life is that it involves a component of transition. Changes in the seasons outside, changes in nature always involve transition. Um, some of us have our favorite seasons and we love watching the transition, like the transition from greenery um, in the summer to autumn leaves in the fall or to like the winter cold and the barrenness or to the spring blooms. Those transitions we know about and we watch, but sometimes we don't realize that the changes in our lives are um, changes in the seasons of our lives are seasons of transition too. And we don't talk a lot about transition in Western culture. We don't navigate it very well. Um, one of my favorite authors and leaders, Pete Scazzaro, talks about this in his um, podcast. It's called Emotional Healthy, Emotionally Healthy Leadership. Um, and his podcast uh, specifically talks about transition. It's called Finding God in Transitions. And he says Western culture does transitions really badly because we think that transitions are, are failures. Um, we always are trying to strive for bigger, better, faster, evolving, adapting, changing, but never ending 
in Western culture, you watch like the evolution of some of the largest companies out there, they're trying to always make sure they never end, right? Nike's never gonna end, Apple's never gonna end, that's what they hope, right? So if anything does end, or if a transition does happen, it's really perceived in Western culture as bad, as a failure. So we don't talk about it a lot, and we don't do it very well, but transitions are part of life, they're unavoidable. They're a part of our daily and um, seasonal rhythms. We have to recognize that we are going to go right now from the semester to the summer. We're gonna go from this academic year or this, you know, being a junior to a senior or whatever your class ranking is, or maybe from college life to postgraduate life if you're graduating, um, and we need to talk about that. Some of us in this room have um, other transitions that this summer or um, this season of our life holds. Maybe transitions in your relationship with your family and your friends, the way that looks, or in your job or your roles. Um, maybe transitions in your health that you didn't even ask for that aren't going super well. Or transitions in the seasons of your walk with Jesus even. So if we're gonna acknowledge transitions, if we're gonna do them well, what's a little transition 101? This also comes from Pete Scazzaro. He says that transitions always involve three things. An ending, a difficult in-between, and a new beginning. The ending is where you have to let go of what no longer fits your season. You just have to let it end. It might not feel good, but you have to let it end. The difficult in between can involve grief, unknown and uncertainty and waiting. And there's really no guarantee how long that will be. I'd love to say it's always one week or two months, but we don't know that depending on the situation. God only knows. And then the new beginning. It's not always tidy, like a just perfect new beginning. It might be emerging in kind of a slow, messy way, but it does come. The cool part about transitions is that they actually follow the shape of the gospel. We just had Holy Week, and I think we can use that pattern to think about transitions. We just had um, what we call Good Friday, and then some people will call the Saturday after that, they'll call it Silent Saturday, and then Resurrection Sunday, right? So on Good Friday, what was that? That was a day of death, of endings, a day of grief. Then on Silent Saturday, it was a day of waiting and unknown and uncertainty quiet, and then Resurrection Sunday was a day of new life and of new beginnings and hope for the future. That story is the gospel story that is our salvation story, but it's also the pattern of our lives, right? We are going through this sort of pattern that is modeled by the gospel events all uh, our lifelong. So there's two questions that we can really, really be curious about. I think in times of transition, the first one is, what might it be time to let go of in my life? And the second is, what new thing might be standing backstage waiting to make its entrance? It's like a little bit of grief and hope in the same moment. God invites us, though, to be joyful and to be filled with awe at what he's doing in us in times of transition. In Isaiah 43, 19, God says, for I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. We're really invited to acknowledge and be excited about transitions in our lives. And, and to me, that includes this transition into summer. So kind of having just 
asked us to acknowledge transition and some of the tough stuff that it holds, I wanna go back to sort of the original question of this message, which is going into this season of transition for you, whatever it is, but we do have a set one coming up right now. What does healthy spiritual formation look like for you? And that really starts, answering that question really starts with acknowledging that you're being formed at all. You're always being formed. I'm always being formed. We're just largely unaware of our formation. We're being shaped all the time by, um, in our desires and in our habits and in our, in our beliefs by the things that we consume, the things that are marketed to us, the relationships that we have, the things we do, the things we believe. So just how do we be more aware and more intentional about what is forming us so that the things that are forming us are actually forming us into health and growth is really the question. So I have really just four things that I suggest or that are just things you might um, benefit from thinking about in terms of healthy, intentional spiritual formation as you go into the summer. And I'm fair warning, I think all of the suggestions that I have are a little bit countercultural. Um, so we'll have to be a little bit of um, kind of rebels against Western postmodern culture if we're gonna live this out. So the first way I think that we can be intentional about our spiritual formation this summer is to choose rest over hustle. Choose rest over hustle. I think our culture is always telling us how to maximize productivity. There's a million planners out there that help you multitask and do more with your time and 24 hours can somehow become 48 hours and never stop grinding, but part of sustainable productivity is rest and changes in seasons. There's, uh, we can look to the example of, uh, examples in agriculture and farming, um, there's crop rotation. And farmers will rotate their crops um, and plant different crops in their fields in different years because different ones draw or deposit different nutrients into the soil. I learned all this from Emma Rooker. Using rotation crops is a restorative process. It allows farmers actually to be more uh, productive in their farming endeavors, but we have to be like that too. We have to have different rhythms and different seasons, sort of different crops, so to speak, that are growing in our lives at different times for the restoration and health of our souls. And that's just really not the way Western modern, postmodern culture speaks. Jesus shows us, though, this way of rest. He says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and the burden I give you is light. And really, truly restorative rest is not just relaxing. Relaxing isn't bad, but relaxing is, again, kind of just a Western concept of sort of numbing out and chilling, and I, I do that too, but it doesn't really often totally refresh us, right? It's just sort of vegging, and then you get back up to go the, do the next thing, and you're still kind of tired. So purposeful rest involves recognizing the kind of rest that you need and pursuing that really intentionally. There's what kinds of rest are there, right? You could be maybe feeling really full in this season, really saturated, and so maybe what you really need is you need to be downloading and processing and externalizing all the things that are going on inside of you. And so what practices would really bring you rest? I think things like journaling 
or silence and solitude where you're processing, maybe processing out loud with somebody, moving your body, because that kind of gets things into the right place in your head. And sleeping also gets things into the right place in your head, so sleep. But maybe the kind of rest you need is more like you feel drained. You feel really empty. And in that case, what would fill you up? What would restore your soul? Maybe it's beholding beauty, like good music, good books, good food, having a great conversation with a friend, nature, these things that kind of fill you back up. Speaking to all of you in the room who are students right now, if I were to guess, I would say the two places I think you probably need the most rest in your lives right now are your minds and your bodies. Um, I mean, I'm sure your emotions and your souls need that too, but minds and bodies are really taxed in college. Your mind's obviously at work all the time with all the work and the classes and the homework that you're doing, but your body is too because you're kind of always on. In college, there's especially, I think, with like maybe res life living and things like that, it's great and it's fun, but you're always involved in the social life and, and then also doing homework and jobs and many other things. So I really think your minds and bodies need rest. Purposeful rest um, should recreate you. That's, um, I've talked about this before, but this is where the word recreation comes from. Um, God really models that for us. His, one of his names is Elohim, which is um, my, God the mighty creator. And he shows us how rest was recreated for him in Genesis 2.2. It says, God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So really engaging in recreation rather than just relaxation involves some intentionality and some planning to make it happen. So your challenge this summer is to say your best yes. Just your best yes. And to the things that really will bring recreation and restoration to you. And that does involve also some saying of no. Saying no to some of the things that don't fill you up really well or that fill up your time too much for you to rest. Okay, the second thing that I think would help us with intentional spiritual formation this summer is to choose structure over good intentions. This one's tough for me. This is not my strength to choose structure. I kind of tend to be kind of organic, but not that many like really good things happen in life without somewhat of a plan or a commitment. Um, and when you're in college, summer can have like a lot of, even post-grad life can just have this sudden kind of absence of structure. Um, you're not in the school environment or around your same friends or doing the same thing. So this doesn't mean you have to make your summer as full and regimented as college, but I think it means you need a framework to pursue um, the things that will really grow you in times without a lot of structure. Um, so this is true all the time, not just in summer, but um, if you're noticing like a big absence of structure in a certain season in your life, you kind of have to build it yourself. So one way that we can create a conducive framework for spiritual growth, just a, a tool that we can use, is implementing a rule of life. We talked about this maybe a few times in years past, but not a lot this year. Um, a rule of life is an ancient practice in the church, but um, it's a scheduled set of practices and rhythms to help us create space in our world to love Jesus and trust Jesus and follow Jesus. It's a plan that aids us in aligning our passions with our deepest values. I know the word rule sounds constricting, but it's actually from the Latin word for a trellis, like a vine would grow on. It helps the vine to be lifted off the ground and tells the vine which way to grow. And so like, a rule of life does that too. It helps to guide us as we walk with Christ and to be able to bear 
fruit for the kingdom. So it's not a rigid, legalistic to-do list. It's a life-giving structure. So this is um, the rule of life template that Campus Ministries created a few years ago. And in a second, I'll put up a QR code in case you want to um, download it. But um, just to tell you a little bit about it, there's categories in here that you can kind of look at in your life. The categories are um, on that grid on the screen, relationship with Jesus, your thoughts and emotions, attention and digital life, rest, body, spiritual friendship, purpose and work, generosity and mission. These are just some categories that we thought were important and relevant um, to your lives. There's many things that this, you know, that this could have in it. Um, but the way you use this is that there's a page in each, um, a page on each of those categories. And it kind of talks a little bit about uh, what we're getting at when we're talking about that category and then gives you time to reflect on how your life and your habits are in those categories now and then some rhythms that you could implement to change or grow or become more healthy in those areas um, as you walk with Jesus. So you just reflect and then you determine some rhythms that fit in each of those areas. I wouldn't say that you need to find a rhythm for each one of those categories. That's a lot of categories and a lot of trying to change in one season. So you can choose some and you can find the right areas that God is really calling you and inviting you to grow in and then set some rhythms. And like the chart showed you, the rhythms can be daily or weekly or monthly. Like a rhythm that's monthly might be tithing, um, but a rhythm that's daily might be um, spending 20 minutes in the word. So um, <clears throat> you can set those rhythms that you're seeking to work on and then you can change it after, like you can try it for two weeks and you can make a shift to it if it's not working because it's not meant to be constrictive. Margaret Gunther, an Anglican priest, said this about rules of life. A good rule of life can set us free to be our true and best selves. It's a working document, a kind of spiritual budget, not carved in stone, but subject to regular review and revision. It should support us, but never constrict us. It's just a tool. I'm gonna put the QR code up, and if you want to download our Rule of Life, um, it's something you can hold on to even until the semester's over when you have the space to engage with it. Um, give it a shot and see if it provides that kind of structure that you might need in the summertime. Because really, there's a narrative in postmodern Western society that guidelines and structures are bad and that they constrain us. But God says that structure can free us when it's guided by the Holy Spirit. Not legalism or moralism, but when it's guided by the Holy Spirit, structure can free us. Romans 8.2 talks about that in the gospel. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. The third way I wanna encourage us to be intentional with our spiritual formation this summer is by enjoying God with other people. Um, summer for me was always a little more isolated than the school year. I was always around less people, obviously, but also not necessarily around people really encouraging me to grow in my walk with Jesus. And so sometimes, um, depending on where we're going or what we're doing in the summer, we'll have to be extra intentional about staying around people who can really um, build us up. And I will say, um, research shows that staying connected with people only in digital ways is, still leaves you pretty lonely. Um, digital life is not the same as real relationship. So as much as I value technology, it's not gonna cut it necessarily completely when it comes to having real fellowship with people helping you walk with Jesus. So really seeking that personal, in-person fellowship is important 
Also, um, this is not a shaming statement, but churches typically see, on average, a 20% decline in attendance in the summertime. So what would it look like to maybe continue to show commitment to going to church or to realize that um, you might be traveling, you might be on vacations, you might be on mission trips and you can't go, but how do you stay connected to the body of Christ? Whatever your summer plans hold, I really encourage you to find and create a way to stay connected and encouraged by the people of God. It could um, look like church attendance, um, joining a formal small group, um, creating your own informal group that meets and studies the Bible together, or reads the Bible together and prays together, um, having a standing appointment to like walk or hike with someone or have lunch with someone and um, talk about God with them and encourage each other and enjoy God's creation together. I think the key is to choose to be with people who are like-minded in pursuing God and then to bring up conversations about the things of God in those moments. I'll also say I think summer is a really good time to process what went on in the last year. I think sometimes I've talked to people and they get to the fall and they didn't process the year before and they're like, they wish they had because this kind of stuff is, is coming into the next year from the last year. So I would encourage you to, as well to, to find people you can process the beautiful and the hard parts of this last year with over the summer, mentors or friends or family members. Um, and also, some of you I know have gone through a, quite a bit of change this year for good. God has been working on your heart. He's been calling you away from certain things or certain beliefs about who you are, or certain actions. And it's hard sometimes to go back into spaces that you were the old person in and stay that new person. And so that's another way in which you really need the fellowship of believers helping to keep you on track. This is God's plan for us. We aren't solo disciples of Jesus. We are sisters and brothers in the kingdom of God. Hebrews 10.25 encourages us, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another and all the more as we see the day of Christ Jesus approaching. And then two chapters later, I love this. Um, we send this at the Awards and Honors Chapel, but the the author of Hebrews gives us just really beautiful metaphor of just how far we can go when we're in the community of God encouraging each other. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. I love the image of like a 5K or a half marathon and everybody cheering at the end and really it's their cheers that carry you over the finish line. That's what we can be for each other, especially I think in these times when we're gonna be a little more isolated. Seek out that community. And then the fourth and the final way I would encourage um, us to be intentional or that I, I propose us being more intentional in our spiritual formation this summer is to serve rather than to just receive. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life, uh, but selfless love and generosity should go alongside enjoyment of life and are really the shape our lives should take. Our lives are supposed to take this cruciform shape where we become more like Jesus who willingly laid down his life. In Matthew 20, 28, Matthew says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And just ask you, what would it look like to serve and be generous this summer? To look outside yourself and to notice people, to notice the needs around you as you go around your daily routines, 
Um, for some of us, that might look like signing up with a volunteer organization that we've loved for a long time, that we care about, that we want to serve with. It does also look like maybe noticing a lonely neighbor or someone who's sad and encouraging them, visiting with them. Uh, maybe it's starting the habit of tithing on your paychecks. Just generosity and service, the shape of our lives. Martin Luther King Jr. said, life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? Maybe he was thinking of Philippians 2.4. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Just consider how you can go beyond yourself this summer. So to reiterate, to reiterate, I'm just proposing kind of four ways I think that we might grow intentionally and build that sort of trellis around which our lives can really flourish and be in God's will this summer. And some of those ways are to choose rest over hustle, to choose structure over good intentions, to enjoy God with other people, and to serve rather than just receive. I said earlier that I think these practices are countercultural, and the reason I said that is because I think postmodern Western culture is productivity-oriented, hyper-individualistic, and self-focused. Um, but Jesus was countercultural, and if we pattern our lives after him as we're called to do, our lives are going to look countercultural as well. Also, I know that this and all the things I said may seem like many things, and sometimes we can only grow in a few things at once. So I give you this advice to think about as you sort through kind of the things I offered to you today. Remember this wisdom that I just heard from our good friend Peter Carlson in the advising office. If you want your life to change, you just need to do one thing one time and keep doing it. You just need to do one thing one time and keep doing it. If you wake up tomorrow and you go for a walk, maybe one day you'll be running a triathlon. If you read one chapter of the Bible and keep reading every day, maybe one day you'll have read the Bible many times. If you get coffee with someone and you talk about God together and you keep doing that, maybe one day they'll be one of your closest companions on the journey of following Jesus. A small degree of change or difference in your life can make an amazingly different life. My encouragement is just to choose something to set your intentions on this summer for your spiritual growth and to lean into it by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the leading of, leading of God, and to see what kind of fruit will come out of it. I just want to leave us with these words. Um, this is a devotional I revisit um, every summer. I have it. Um, taped up in my office. I usually print it out every summer and tape it up in my office. Um, if you want to um, close your eyes just to hear it, it's, it's very poetic, but it's a beautiful way to think about the invitation to focus on Jesus in the summer. It says, God made summer as a foretaste of heaven, not a substitute. Summer is God's messenger with a sun-soaked tree green flower blooming, lake glistening, letter of love to show us what he is planning for us in the age to come. Things which the eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered into the heart of man, God has prepared for those who love him. Jesus Christ is the refreshing center of summer. He is preeminent in all things, including vacations and picnics and softball 
and long walks and cookouts. He invites us this summer, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is serious summer refreshment. In the summer, the earth is very much with us, and it is God's earth. But it is all prelude to the real drama of heaven. It is a foretaste of the real banquet. It is a preview to the reality of what the eternal summer will be like, when the city has no need of sun or moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God is its light and its lamp is the lamb. So you see, the summer sun is a mere pointer to the sun that will be, the glory of God. Summer is for seeing and showing that. Will we have eyes to see? Will you pray with me? God, I thank you, first of all, for your goodness, your greatness, your holiness, and I thank you for your presence with us. Lord, I lift up those in this room who are needing your strength and your encouragement today, who are needing to feel seen and known and loved. God, I pray that you would help each person within the sound of my voice to know that you have given them everything that they need to succeed. They have this community around them supporting them, and they have people who believe in them, and they have a God who loves them and a creator who made them purposefully. I pray that their spirits would be uplifted just knowing that they are truly valuable and that they will be able to make it here to the end of this semester. I pray, God, that you would help us just to acknowledge um, the seasons of transitions in our lives, especially because we don't want to miss what you might be doing in them. And that as we step into the next season, whether it just be summer or some tough things like health challenges or job struggles or relationship issues, or whether it be post-grad life and a new, a really new big season of work um, that looks totally different than this last few years has looked, I pray that you would give us the grace and the commitment um, to model our lives upon things that will help us to grow in you. I pray that the things that we talked about today might just be tools and resources in that endeavor, um, but that ultimately we would respond to your word and to your Holy Spirit and to the community of God speaking into our lives above all else. Thank you, Jesus, just for helping us to walk in your grace and your mercy every day. In Jesus' name, amen.